Father, we thank you for tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so there's a very important message from God to us. And they are glory secrets. Secrets of walking in your glory. Secrets of glory. And I've entitled this series, How to Operate in the Highest Level of Your God-Given Potential. How to Operate at the Highest Level of Your God-Given Potential. So I want us to look at Matthew 17, 20. And when they were come to the multitude, and when they were come to the multitude, they came to him, that's from verse 14, a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's a lunatic or epileptic, okay, moonstruck, and uh, saw vexed or suffers greatly, for many times he falls into the fire and often into water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil and he departed out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart or privately and said, Why could we not cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. So somebody brought his child to the disciples to be healed of a condition, epileptic case. And obviously, the disciples couldn't heal this person. Then Jesus rebuked the spirit and the spirit left the person. The person was healed. So the disciples came privately and asked Jesus, why couldn't we do it? You did it. Why couldn't we do it? And Jesus said, it's because of unbelief. And then he said, but this kind doesn't go except by prayer and fasting. So Jesus mentioned two things here as the reason of their inability to work a miracle or wrath the supernatural or demonstrate the power of God or do a mighty work. And the two things he mentioned was unbelief first and two prayer. So Sunday first service and second service, I spent it to look at the first thing, the first thing. And we look at the life of Elijah, that the Bible says Elijah was like, every one of us or any of us because he was a man with like passions Elias was a man subject to like passions like any of us so the Bible convinces enough that Elijah was just like any one of us but Elijah lived an extraordinary life he called on fire from heaven vanished at will raised the dead shut the heavens for three years actually not just rain no dew and parted a river jordan eventually went to heaven not as a mortal he defied mortality and we're grateful to know that god gives us the secret why elijah walked in that level of power and the bible says clearly that it's because of his prayer life elias was a man like all of us but he prayed earnestly and that was how come he got this result so we're done with that 
It was based on that that we agreed as a church that everybody is going to be spending between two to three hours in God's presence every day because I used that to teach you of the power of the secret place as the greatest secret. So we settled that. But the second thing Jesus mentioned is faith. And that's what I want to talk about today. They say when you see a car moving, it's not just one part. There are 4,000 parts that make up a car. Most of the time, we just want one thing to get all the results. 4,000 things make a car to move. Your bones alone are 206. And your muscle, about 600 or so. 600 muscles. Your body parts plenty to make you one human being. But many times, we just want one thing. So one person does one thing. And the interesting thing is that you see somebody praying. Then he hears a word on confessing the word or reading the word. Then he throws the prayer away to go and take the word. He doesn't know that you must add. The Bible says, add to your faith virtue. To virtue knowledge. Knowledge temperance. He didn't say subtract or divide. So you don't hear somebody say, oh, maybe my secret is just the word. I don't fast. Then you have been fasting. Then he threw that one away. So... Prayer is the first one we've settled that. But the second one he mentioned, he said, because of your unbelief. You couldn't cast this demon of... He said, it's because of your unbelief. So, from our text, we see clearly Jesus saying that. Matthew 17, 20. Because of your unbelief. He said, why couldn't we cast him? I said, because of your unbelief. For verily I say to you, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible. Look at that. He's saying that, okay, unbelief will make you not to be able to do miracles or work the supernatural or walk in your God-given potential. But if you believe, if your faith is just even as small as a grain of mustard seed, you can command this mountain and say, be removed into the sea, and it will obey. And then he added this one. Nothing shall be impossible to you. Now, this statement was a preserve of God. With God, all things are possible. Only God has this power originally. But here, we see the Bible says that anybody who has faith, nothing shall be impossible to him. In other words, the same potential that God has is what has been given to you or imparted at your new birth called faith. He is saying that you can operate at the same level of God. And he is showing us how we can do that. He said, by faith. I've said it several times on many platforms. Even last week I said it somewhere. That you can decide not to study on any other subject and just study on faith. It will compensate for every other thing. It will take care of everything. You find leadership. You find success. Healing, health, prosperity. The money we are talking about. Everything is in the faith. Because that is the divine potential. It is the word of God in action. The Bible says, if he called them gods, unto whom the word of the Lord came. Did you see that? John 10, 35. If he called them gods, unto whom the word of the Lord came. And scripture cannot be broken. Now, anybody who received the word of God, God is calling him God. Why? Because the word is God. So when a man has the word, God says he's God. Then... When a man decides to use that word, believe that word, speak that word, act on that word, they say nothing shall be impossible to him because he's a God. In other words, by faith we understand that the worlds, Hebrews 11.3, were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen are not made of things which do appear. 
The word of God is the creator. The word of God is what creates everything. The word of God doesn't have creative ability. The word of God is the creator. I'm not saying it's wrong to say that the word of God has creative abilities. It does, but I'm saying it's an understatement. The word of God is the creator. And he said, you can create anything with a word. Nothing shall be impossible to you. So, right here, we see that your God-given potential is that you are God's. I have said, ye are God's. And this is the reason why he's calling you a God. It's because of this divine potential. But the way you use this divine potential is by operating this thing called faith. He says, you can do anything and everything if you walk in faith. So, in operating in your highest level of potential, God-given potential and destiny, faith is. And this is not an extrapolation. I'm not trying to make it up. This is not like uh, some special revelation. This is just the black and white. It says, because of your unbelief. And if you believe... You tell this mountain to go and nothing shall be impossible for you. So, whatever you want to do, you want to be a pilot, you want to be a marine engineer, you want to build houses, you want to take over the housing deficits in Ghana, heal the sick, you want to solve the street child problem, you want to have a great marriage, you want to have a, build a great family, you want to build a great company. Whatever you want to do, the Bible says it's going to be by faith. But you know what? Before I get into my supporting text, all of us here know that prayer is powerful and prayer can do all the things we say prayer is able to do. All of us here know that yes, if we can walk in faith, we can do everything. We know instinctively and we know as children of God and we know it from the word of God. But we shrug this off when we hear it and we don't even try because we think that this faith thing we are talking about is way up there in the sky as a preserve of the Elijahs and the Abrahams, and we, we are nowhere close. Some of you church members tell you that you, your prayers, go here, your prayers faster than ours. And because prophets, you know, some prophets and some church pastors and some enjoy to be heroes and to be like the one controlling the people and they want to depend on them. So they don't want to empower the people by teaching them the truth that this is not even about you, the pastor. This sign shall follow them that believe. In fact, he said, go and preach. And this sign shall follow them that believe. He wasn't even talking about the apostles. He said, anybody who hears the word and believes, he's talking about the believers. And he begins to mention the supernatural. They will cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. So if you are speaking in new tongues, why don't you want to cast out devils? They shall pick up serpents, which is total dominion over evil spirits. They will lay hands on the spirit they will recover. But before then, he said, if they take any deadly thing, and that takes care of your health. We have a lot of things to tell you. I'm sure we have all stopped eating the sugar by now. And it's okay. If the thing is not good, why do you eat it? I mean, the thing is a chemical and it's not natural. And it's, why would you want to take it? So we've left the sugar. And some of you are also thinking of stopping the carbohydrate. And, but he says that even if it is a poison, it won't hurt you. He knows that you won't go eating poison. But he's saying that even if you take a deadly thing, so don't make allowance for sickness. Don't let the devil and sickness and your body have an excuse. If you give it an excuse, you see, whatever you bind on it is bound in heaven. If you, whatever you allow is allowed. Whatever you disallow is disallowed. If you have explanation, justification for why you should be sick, you'll be sick. Hallelujah. And then he said, we'll lay hands on the sick and recover. 
Now, he says, these signs will follow them that believe. So we are saying that you have a supernatural dimension. You are not a mere man. Your manifestation is not the manifestation of mere men. Because mere men are doing things. So they have gone to the stars. They, they've gone to the moon. They've gone to space. Master, they are doing things. The ordinary man, the regular homo sapien, with his fallen nature, is doing things. So your manifestation, we are talking about you manifesting as a son of God or as God's. So we are talking about something even higher. I was listening to somebody recently who said, uh, as a young person growing, you can never say that you never masturbated. And I smiled. I said, the Bible says that to the pure, all things are pure. But to the impure, even his own conscience is defiled. Because he is masturbating, he thinks everybody is masturbating. It's like because you're sleeping with everybody else, you think that there's no virgin in the world. Hallelujah. The demand God is going to put on us is not the demand that he's putting on the regular man out there. No, that's why they can tell you that. You can't be a Christian and be a businessman. Master, it's not possible. Have you heard that before? Yes. Because they know that the stakes are high. They know that to be a Christian, they know that a child of God, they know that the demand God places on us is high. They know that. They just think it's not possible. They even think that holiness is not possible. But they don't know that there are people who are apart from being sanctified by God, which is a true holiness, they are physically clean. People don't believe that as a poor who won't take bribe. But we have a lot of guys like that. Hallelujah. Anyway, so there was something I said, and then I went with all this. I haven't answered it, so I'm going to come back and answer it. I said when we mention faith, that faith will allow you to operate the divine the supernatural abilities and capabilities you have, your potential. Everybody knows it instinctively. We all know. But we don't want to step out in it, dare believe God, and move in it because we think that, ha, I'm not powerful enough. But Jesus didn't say that people who are powerful. He said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, at the time Jesus was speaking, the disciples didn't have faith because they were not born again. It was zero faith. He said because of your unbelief. Zero faith. Then to prove that it was zero faith, he said if your faith is as small as a mustard seed. Mustard seed, the smallest seed. So he's saying that anybody who's born again, that's why he said these signs will follow them that believe. Talking about believers. So whether you got born again yesterday or five minutes ago, you are a potential candidate of the supernatural. Haven't you heard that in the mouth of babes and sucklings, God has ordained praise? Amen. Amen. It's not about how old you are in the Lord. In fact, being old in the Lord just gives you some experience, okay? It gives you experience. One time I shared something here. I said that there is a break-even point for the young believer and the old Christian. And that is when they are filled with the Holy Ghost. When you are filled with the Holy Ghost, the guy who is filled with the Holy Ghost, who has been a Christian for 100 years, and the guy who just got born again today, once both of you are filled with the Holy Ghost, you can do the same thing. The only thing is that the guy who has been around for long, he knows the tricks around it. Mitresa, he has experience. You get it. But in terms of power, look at the day of Pentecost. And look at what happened in the next chapter. They healed the cripple. Amen. So, if your faith as small as a master seed, so he's saying that the least faith can do miracles. If that is it, then why do we need big faith? Now, it's like hydrogen or it's like fire. 
You don't need big fire to start big fire. Just a spark. But there are other sides of faith which has got to do with trust, endurance, like they stretch Abraham's faith out for 100 years. It was not a kind of faith to do a miracle with. But it's a kind of faith that is stretched. Because faith is not just about doing a miracle. It's also about stretching your trust. You see, so all those dynamics of faith are there. And it's true that we can measure faith in many ways. By the many works that you do. But in terms of quality, you have that seed of faith and you can do anything. So, what we have to do is now ask, how do we use the faith? So that will be the question. But before we get into that, because we are looking at how I can work in the highest level of my potential, how I can be all that I was created to be, how I can fulfill my destiny, how I can do all that is available to me. So that is what we are looking at. Now, before I get into how to use this faith, I want us to look at the supporting text, Mark 11. We start from verse 13, and then we jump after a while to verse 20. And seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he came, if happily, or if maybe, or peradventure, or he may find anything thereon. And he came to it, and he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat the fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. Let's stop there. Now, verse 20. We'll come back to verse 14. And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, recalling to remembrance, said unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cast is withered away. And Jesus answered unto them, Have faith in God. Now, you know, all of you faith students, you know very well that that statement is actually not have faith in God. The original says, have faith. He didn't say have faith in God. The original says, have faith of God. Have the faith of God. So he was talking about the kind of faith we have when we are born again. Because there are different kinds of faith. Okay? There's the natural faith. The natural faith has taken people to the moon and back. Positive thinking. But the natural faith is just natural. It can kill a spiritual mosquito. It can cast out a devil. It can't do anything spiritual. Okay? So he was telling them to have the faith of God. The same thing he said earlier on. That if your faith is as small as a master said. He was talking about Christians kind of faith. When you get born again, you have the gift of faith. This is what he was talking about. Next line. I say to you that whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in your heart, but shall believe that those things which he said shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he said. Now look at it. So here... He is saying that you should have faith. The faith of God. We have it now. So we are born again. So we've satisfied that requirement. But he's saying that you can say to this mountain, if you say to the mountain, be moved, and you don't doubt in your heart, but believe those things which you said will come to pass, you will have whatsoever you said. Are we here? This one is showing us how to use your faith. The first one just said faith. The first story I read said, your faith as small as master seed. Even that one says, you will say to this mountain, you will say to this fig tree. But this one, the repetition of say, 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 throws light on how faith is released. Faith is shut up in your heart, 
but it is released or consummated in your action. Primarily your words first. Because remember, it's the word of God. Shut up in your heart. So you let it go by speaking it. Last Monday, I gave Apostle Peter one hour to minister, and he taught on the power of our confession. And so when I took the microphone, I decided to go exactly in the line of the things he has shared. He gave us very beautiful insights. So I was telling the church that the Bible says that life and death is in the power of the tongue. Okay, Proverbs 18, 21. And the destiny of our words is life or death. So we can give life to any situation and we can give death to any situation. I said, we all wish that only life were coming out of our mouth. But if only life were coming, how do you kill certain things? So I explained to them that the Bible says that life and death is in the power of the tongue. And the Bible is giving that such authority to the tongue. And he's saying that those who love it, some versions says those who indulge in it. In fact, what he says is that those who use the strength, the literal, those who use the strength, those who use the power of the tongue, they'll enjoy their fruit. He is saying that now, if you know this thing you have and you decide to use it, you'll be able to kill anything the devil is doing and you can give life to anything God is doing in your life. And I explained to them that words are powerful, words rule the world. The Bible says that a city is overthrown by the tongue of the wicked, but it is established by the lips of the righteous. And the Bible says that the ages, the aeons, were all framed by words. So words are so powerful. But I explained to them that words are not just verbal. So, sometimes a word will come to you, but it's not verbal. For example, God said to Jeremiah, that go to the potter's house. I have a word for you there. But when you go to the potter's house, the picture painted in the potter's house, the picture painted in the potter's house carries the message. So what I want to say is in that picture. So go to the potter's house and you get the word of the Lord there. And I was explaining that when a prophet calls you and start prophesying, says the Lord, so it's not every time that God actually spoke to him verbatim. He only saw a vision, but the words are in the vision. So God paints pictures to give you a word. The same way the devil also paints pictures. And when you see the picture, negative picture, there's a word that is coming out of the negative picture. You must be able to use the word of God to counteract and kill that word the devil is trying to tell you. I'll give you a classic example. Look at our text. Mark eleven fourteen, And Jesus answered unto it. Jesus answered who? The fig tree. Did the fig tree say something? The fig tree didn't open its mouth. But the picture of barrenness the fig tree was showing to Jesus was a word coming. And Jesus had to kill it. So as you go about every day, you will see pictures. When you hear the news, you hear pictures. You hear things about the government, another picture. Your company, another picture. They say your child is sick or somebody is sick, another picture. They say these things that happen here. Those words, which words we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but in words which the Holy Ghost teacheth. Comparing the spiritual with the spiritual. Combining spiritual words with the appropriate spiritual expression. So your body is telling you you are sick. But the Holy Ghost teacheth you that by his stripes you are healed. So you must be able to speak that 
And the final say is in the what you are saying. Life and death is here. So if you say I'm sick, that's the empire. If you say I'm healed, that is what will come to pass. But look at it. When Jesus said it, the fig tree didn't dry physically immediately. You know why? It started drying from the root. And when a tree is drying from the root, the leaf will be the last. So you see, what your word can do to root out the problem. You may not see the leaves change overnight. You may not see the leaves change immediately. Verse 20. In the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. So you had spoken, and the thing has happened. So, Pastor, the thing is not working. You've killed it from its root. It's just a matter of time. Correct? Now, let's look at verse 23 and then we'll come to 24. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Now, be thou removed and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he said shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he said. Now, I've said this several times here. Kenneth Hagin said, Jesus drew his attention to this verse. And say, see how many times the word is believed in this verse. And see how many times the word say, say, say is mentioned. And can I think counted? The first one is, I say unto you. That one is not included. But the rest of the say is three times and the belief is just one. People are trying to always believe. Believe, but they are not doing anything. Their belief is one. They say is three. They say, show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. Master seed, it will do plenty. The unbeliever doesn't have any Christ doing a lot. So, you can do something with it. But here, he is showing us that what speaking can do. Do you know, actually, all I do when it comes to provision, when it comes to faith, when it comes to anointing, all I do now is, I say, Lord, give me the scripture for it. When the Holy Spirit speaks something to me or reveals something to me, and I know this is what I'm supposed to preach, I just say, God, give me the scriptures. You know why? Because scripture cannot be broken. And adding that to what God has already told me, I know it's finished. I know this one is finished. Anyhow, you see, it's established. Hallelujah. So based on Monday's service, when we talk about framing your world with your word and speaking, I quickly found a smart way of explaining faith. You see, the ability to master your circumstance. All the pictures, your body is saying something, the people are saying something, the salary is saying something, the business is saying something, the income is saying something. But you are able to rule over your circumstance by superimposing the word of God on it. Your ability to master your circumstance, to be a master over your circumstance, is what we call faith. And I found out actually that that was what God had been saying all the while. That let's make man in our image and let him have dominion. Hallelujah. Now, in this same vein, we are saying that you look at a situation, your perception, your words, your action, you must be in charge. You must be on top. You know, we learned that in leadership. We say you are proactive. You see, let me explain to you. Your faith works from a situation presents itself. And then your perception, the way you size the situation. And with the wisdom of God, which is the word of God, which words we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but in words the Holy Ghost teaches. 
So the Holy Ghost teaches you something which are words you actually know from scripture and you use that perception to assess the situation and speak it over the situation. Hello? When God asked Abraham to kill his son, Bible says he obeyed accounting or reasoning or judging or concluding that God is even able to raise him from the dead. Amen? When his son asked him, here is the firewood, where is the lamb? He said, the Lord will provide himself. Now, Bible scholars tell us that he didn't say the Lord will provide for himself. That's not what he meant. He said the Lord himself will become the lamb. Abraham actually said that. Where did he get that wisdom from? Where's with the Holy Ghost teacher? And that was exactly what happened. The lamb of God was dropped on that Mount Moriah that day. That's exactly what happened. He said, your father Abraham was happy to see my days. He dropped on Moriah. What he said came to pass. In other words, as you decide to receive wisdom, inspiration from the Holy Ghost and wisdom from the written word, you are able to prophesy the mind of God regarding any situation and change the contrary winds. The Bible says, he rebuked the wind and commanded the sea. Because the waves was demonic. But the sea was just the natural element. The storm, the devil was using the storm to stir the water. So he commanded the water. But the demon, he rebuked it. So the devil presented the situation and speak the word. It will kill it at the root. Hallelujah. Now, so I was talking about your perception, your words, and your actions. There's something more to say. Let me explain something to you. You see, I said something about grace before. That grace is unmerited favor, undeserved favor. We all know that. The irony or the paradox, the irony of grace is that when you don't deserve it, that's when you deserve it. Okay? Now, it is to make it simple for everybody to qualify for grace. Because some of you say, media, I don't think, uh oh, the things I've done in this life. I don't think, but that's what it is. It is the person who doesn't deserve it that really deserves it. Now, I'm saying this so that you will not run away from the throne of grace. So you can always put yourself at a place where you can receive help from God. I'll tell you something also about faith like this. Look, contrary to popular opinion, faith is the easiest thing a believer can have. It's the easiest. It's as easy as drinking water. I can prove it to you from Bible. I've said it several times, but I know some of the things... You'll be saying it and one day then people will get it. Faith is as easy as drinking water. How do I know? The reason why people are not able to walk in faith is because they say, hey, faith, is, faith is difficult, faith is difficult. And that's what the devil does. Another one is the will of God. Ah, 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 ah. Hey, will of God. Me, I want to be a millionaire. Maybe God's will for me is to be poor. So I don't want the will of God. Ah, will of God, party. I don't want it. I want to marry this lady. You say will of God. Maybe will of God is somebody else. Now, the devil fools people that God doesn't want the best for you. He doesn't want nice girl for you. He doesn't want nice six packs. God doesn't want that for you. God doesn't want a tall guy, a handsome guy, a rich guy. God doesn't want that for you. All that God wants for you is something that is not good. Hello? Now, it's a trick of the devil to keep us away from the will of God. So, we have been prejudiced that will of God, dear, hey, don't say will of God here. Meanwhile, it says what? I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper. God's desire for you, he is able to do exceeding abundantly above your, all that you may ask or think. What he wants for you? Master, you, you know better things than God. 
You and God, who eyes open? You, I mean, you must be joking. You don't read about how they were looking for a wife for Ahasuerus. They perfumed these ladies, take them through for about six months. Nebuchadnezzar, the people were going to serve him. Three years training. The people had to look like king's children, noble people who had understanding into science, who had in them the ability. The guys were already qualified. They trained them for another three years before they would stand before king to just say yes, sir. God's temple, huh? the temple of Solomon, gold for the things of God. What are you talking about? When Queen of Sheba came to Solomon's house, they say there was no more spirit in her. The Queen of Sheba, who had seen excellence, but when it got to Solomon's house, just the servants alone and their dresses. All right, so back to our subject. So the devil tells us, oh, grace is not for you. You can't be doing the same thing and say grace. So, I mean, God can forgive you the first time. Then after the devil has told us all these lies, then he told us, will of God, yeah, no, 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 don't go there. Then now faith, hey, faith is hard. Don't even try. Meanwhile, the Bible says, it is not in heaven for thee to say who go bring it. It's not in the abyss. It is nigh thee, even in your mouth and in your heart. That's the word of faith we preach. They say the word, the faith is already in your heart and in your mouth. It's not in heaven to say, who will go and bring it? It's not in... He said, when you got born again, God just chewed the food for you and it's in your tummy and the rest in your mouth. That is why in acting on faith or in acting in faith, you must say. Because the thing is in your mouth. Faith is in your mouth and in your heart. Where is faith? Conjuring it from somewhere. Conjuring it. It's already all here. You know, when I was growing, when I was a little boy, I had a friend who was writing to Frederick Price. I know Fred Price is like Kenneth Higgins, you know, son in the, in the Lord. And so you're talking about that particular generation, you're talking about Oral Roberts, T.L. Osborne, and Kenneth Higgins. Then immediately after that, you're talking about Kenneth Copeland, Jerry Savelle, Jesse Duplantis, and then Frederick Price. And he's a faith preacher. And he wrote a book, How to Obtain Strong Faith and How Faith Works. And he said he has his library full of books on faith. But none told him how to get a faith. So as a little boy, I started reading these books on how to obtain strong faith and how faith works. And I remember he said, number one, know the reality of the word of God. You must know that heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will not pass. Know also that these things we say, by faith the world is framed, but not even a jot or a tittle. The commas and the footstep cannot pass. Everything can pass. The world will be framed by the word of God, you know. Know the reality of the word of God. The second thing, know the reality of your new creation. And then he give all the things how to work in faith. So I think that we have to come back to teach on how to work in the faith rather than saying you need faith, you need faith, you need faith because everybody knows he needs faith. But how to use the faith. And it's interesting that we as charismatics and Pentecostals, I'm saying that our heritage is the anointing and faith. And so it is something... A, a charismatic should not be ignorant of. It's something we should know. The dynamics of the spirit, supernatural procedures, how things work in the spirit. And here, we have agreed that the thing is in your heart and in your mouth. You vocalize it. Amen? So, I've established the fact that faith is as very easy. And let me show you something. You see, the faith you have actually is the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. That was giving you a new birth. It's the same faith God has. That's what he gave you. It's actually his nature. That is why you have righteousness. When the Bible says that nothing shall be impossible with God, and it said nothing shall be impossible with you by faith, 
all things are possible that believe it and all things are possible with God he is bringing you to the same level of God and that divine potential is what manifests as faith but also as your right standing or your righteousness so that gives you the ability to do anything God can do it puts you in the same state as God righteousness right standing so it gives you the ability to please God because you have righteousness with this knowledge knowing your righteousness you can now write your ticket with God listen very carefully to this part your faith is an intercession of God's faith and your faith it's like the way the Holy Spirit God united with your spirit so he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit your faith and the faith of God is joined you still have your human spirit and the Holy Spirit is also still there separately but it's joined to your spirit that is why the inner witness we don't know whether it's our human witness or whether it's the Holy Spirit Paul said, my conscience bearing witness in the Holy Ghost. And he also said, the Holy Spirit bearing witness with our spirit. That's how faith works. Some of the things is God who initiates it. And then you continue. Some of the things to you initiate it and God finishes it. God takes credit for it whether you initiate it or not because he gives the initial incentive anyway. It's the utter and the finish of our faith. But you have a role to play. Now, why am I mentioning this? What thing soever ye desire, look at verse 24. What thing soever ye desire. Now, remember, he just talked about faith. Whosoever shall say to this person, then here he said, What things soever you desire. You see, he is breaking down faith for you to make it easy for you to achieve your results and to get the things you're asking. And he said, What things soever ye desire. So, there is just a place where it is what Manasseh desires. The devil has deceived us that your desire is always selfish. Your desire is always sinful. So we are not able to believe God for anything. Somebody will have it and we are envying the person. And we can't ask because we think if we ask, we are coveting. Meanwhile, the Bible says covet endlessly the best gift. How do you covet something you have never seen before? It is when you see somebody have it, then you say, Lord, I like this one too. Then the devil twists and says, hey, you are working in covetousness. Now, say my style. Do you know that you're unique? Do you know that, that the expression of that uniqueness is faith? Look at all the people in the Bible. Everybody's miracle was special. Huh? Even David and Samson, they both killed lions with their hands. But the way they did it was different. Everybody in his style. Two guys opened the Jordan. Elijah and Elisha. Joshua did it, but in a different way. This one used his mantle and smote it. Joshua, God told him that when you carry the ark, you carry my presence, the anointing. When the priest's feet step at the brink of the Jordan, the whole Jordan would dry. Moses opened the Red Sea and closed it. Oh, clap. <laughs> Elijah said, no rain or dew until by my word. You to find some special miracle and do. In fact, one time Moses said, if these guys die ordinary death and God doesn't do something new, the earth doesn't open his mouth and so What I'm trying to say is that I'm not talking about the negative things, but there is something great God wants to do with your life. And it's unique. So your imaginations, your desire, your personal convictions, all those things are tied up to your destiny and your life assignment too. So don't wait for people's approval 
Everybody to say yes, yes before you pursue your vision and dream. Oh. Master, the Bible said the just shall live by faith. Somewhere it said the just shall live by his faith. So after generalizing faith, he now did what? Personalized it. Until by my word. That's what Elijah said. He wants to prove that he's in charge. Say, I'm in charge. <laughs> now, so what I'm trying to say is that that divine potential, that gift from God, God's nature that he gave you, in using it, it has to be a decision, a conviction, a resolve. You know, it should be based on our desire. God's will intersecting with your will. But your imagination. He said he's able to go beyond imagination. Do you actually know that faith is imagination? He said this thing which they have imagined to do is faith. Now, Stephen Covey talked about four unique endowments that human beings have that animals don't. You know, animals have some endowments that we don't have. But we have some endowments that animals don't have. Okay? For example, self-awareness. Humans have it. Imagination. Humans have it. Conscience. Humans have it. And uh, an independent will. Evolution. Now, all these seats of our soul and all these endowments are things we can use for faith. Vision. Every time you hear about vision, it's actually faith. What somebody's imagining. Then, your decisive factor, using your will, to make a decision, your resolve, your convictions. Actually, your conviction is your faith, your assurances. And he talked about your conscience, which basically I know he was trying to talk about an inner witness. Hallelujah. Okay, so Hebrews chapter 11. You know, the whole Hebrews 11 shows us how men who had the same weakness as ours, passions, men of like passions, did and accomplished great feats. Hebrews 11 chronicles all these guys who work in the supernatural. Every one of them, they said it was because of faith. Hebrews 11 alone amply demonstrated the fact that to operate in your God-given potential, you must walk in faith. But from verse 32 to 38, is the icing on the cake that says, What shall I more say? For time will fail me to tell of Gideon. You know Gideon? Of Barak. You know Barak? And of Samson. You know Samson? And of Jephthah. Now, do you know their stories? Some of these guys cry. There was one guy who was so confused. He was threshing wheat in a wine press. You thresh wheat in the threshing floor and you press wine in the wine press. The guy was so confused that fear will not be anything. Fear. But look at what Gideon did. What he does to step up by faith. Look at what he did. Look at Jephthah. Look at Samson. Oh man. Somebody should believe God for something. Oh. You remember our lesson on excellence? You remember? We say the price of excellence is the same. If a guy is kicking a leather bag called football, 
decide to be excellent. He'll be as rich as the gold dealer. If the guy who is running in the track decides to be excellent, he'll be as rich as the oil dealer. The guy who is dealing in refuse, Zoom Lion, decide to excel, he'll be as rich as the guy in real estate. So the price of excellence is the same. So you don't have to be somebody else or copy somebody else or try to be in somebody's lane to be successful. No, 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 no. You don't have to give up your individuality and become a duplicate of somebody before you can make it in life. No. You will be you and you will be great. The sad thing is nobody can be like you. So if you decide not to be you, not even people who are going to be born will become like you. I told you that nobody will turn print, dead, living, or yet to be born. Nobody will have it. Your iris, your retina, the shape of your lips, your teeth, the way it's set. You're the only person who have it. The way you walk, step, and run. No human being, no two human beings have the same. And the list continues. Your external features alone, nine of them is different from what every human being has or will ever have. Those lines God took time to, those contours under your toe. No human being has it. We don't have two people having the same. Now, can you imagine God took time and was designed that and said, Yours is different. And then you come and live like everybody else. Because if you don't do this, you can't get the money. What are you talking about? The way you see this God, does it look like one way God for you? Too many ideas. Butterflies alone, we have millions of species. I'm not talking of millions of butterflies. I mean millions of species of butterflies. If you put one million butterflies down, you can find every one of them different. God says, I am so rich in glory, I have too many things. That's why the next time somebody puts you in the competition, just laugh at him and move on. And say, my lane, nobody is in except me. <laughs> my kind, not nobody else. They want you to be like them. So that they can use their strength to make you feel small. No, they must be like you. May God bless you. Now, there are two things to tell you. Listen, you operate or oh, speed. What is about to happen in your life? Some of you in one year, seven to ten albums in one year. Because when you start releasing them, and all the songs will be hit songs. Though. No, God is going to raise guys greater than Shinach here. You see the kind of songs he writes? Hit songs. Yeah. You know Domboan songs? They are from Jesus Christ. They never expire. Is eternal. And you guys are going to. You know, this is not the first time you'll be receiving this promise. So it's there. Amen. Let me say something to you. I said I'm going to say something to you. For the past three days, I've been meditating on a scripture, Psalm 36, verse 8. What we are saying as a church, until you are convinced, you have not joined us yet. Because, you know. There are people who still are not sure that God wants them to prosper materially. There are people who still just think like that. They are not convinced. They are not persuaded yet. 
I have no iota of doubt, not even a single doubt in my head regarding God's will to prosper us this year. You know why? It is happening even more than I am as anticipating. When I'm doing my two-hour prayer, whatever I'm thinking about, the next day it happens like that. Now look at this scripture I've been meditating on for the past three days. He says what? They shall be what? Abundantly what? Hold it. Satisfied is enough. Satisfied. Everybody who is satisfied is satisfied. Do we need abundant? But you shall be what? Abundantly satisfied with what? There is fatness in God's house. You'll be satisfied with it. And thou shalt make them what? Drink of the river of thy pleasures. Clap. close your eyes and I want you to worship him worship him worship him worship him worship him our God is champion he reigns forevermore forevermore our God is champion, he reigns forevermore, forevermore. Every knee will bow down, every tongue will come. That Jesus Christ, you are Lord. Every knee will bow down. Every knee will bow down. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Now by his stripes you were healed. We command every condition, every sickness to change. Your circumstances, people you have in the hospital, we take them off the hospital beds. Financial challenges, we send an angel of the Lord. We release a miracle into every situation at home. And we declare... You can do all things through Christ. We strengthen it to you. I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.